Alrighty, guys. Thanks for uh, joining us here tonight. Uh, we're up to episode number 12, and this is what the foot podca- podcast. Tonight, we've got Voltaire. Hello. Hash. Hey, guys. And Tyson Franklin with us. How you doing? Uh, you guys may have Thanks, forgotten. <laughs> you guys may have forgotten Hash's voice. I think it's been been about eighteen months since he uh, joined us <laughs> on one of these. Um, in that time, we've got a big congratulations to Hash. Uh, was it October? Uh, November. November. Yes. Hash uh, proposed and got the big three letters that we all want to hear. Yes. Um, so give us oh, a quick one. I, I thought, based on his name, he might have been eighteen months since he gave up drugs. <laughs> the hash was his nickname or a lot of it or something like that so it's been yeah. just, mm, yeah, I just find it I just find it a lot easier how um, a lot of the clientele that we see are quite elderly and they can't remember my actual name Hashan so yeah. as soon as I say hash they're like oh you mean like hashtag I'm like oh well you're in you're well in advance for your age <laughs> no, that's well that was the first thing that came to my head was hashtag <laughs> when he said we're celebrating i thought i oh, will we'll stick with it so <laughs> you've been clean for that long yeah, yeah, yeah so it has been a while it's yeah. good to what have you been up finally. to in that time hash uh well a lot has happened like you said uh recently got engaged to my partner um alongside working privately pretty much full-time doing my endorsement on the side as well as doing part-time Masters of Public Health, so everything's pretty full-on for myself. But, yeah, I was always told while you're young and you've got all the energy, you pretty much use it all before you exhaust yourself by the time you're 60-odd. So Definitely. that's pretty much what I'm going for, yeah. Tyson and I can agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm still burning the candle at both ends. So, <laughs> All right, yeah. so tonight, tonight we got Tyson with us. Uh, Tyson graduated from QUT in 1988. Was that one of the first years of podiatry and not chiropractic? No, no. <laughs> I think I, when I started, it was so I started in 80, 85. So it was, it was already podiatry. Then a guy I went to school with for 12 years. Uh, he started the year before me because I went back and repeated grade 12 because they enjoyed my company. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he, it was podiatry when he started. So that was 84. So it must have been early 80s I made the change. Yep. It's good. It's a good change, I think. <laughs> uh, Tyson also completed a business degree not long after graduating podiatry. No, I didn't finish it. I didn't finish it? Just, no. got, what you, just got what you needed from it. No, I started it and then it got really boring. So I picked it off. Just we're doing well, aren't we? Trying to introduce me and I'm, I'm popping it. Wish. I started it and then I was in the first I'd finished first year or whatever and then we were doing this law subject and the lecturer was a complete tosser and one day he was he was picking on another student in the room because we were doing this at night time after work he's picking on one of the students and I just went yeah I don't need this shit so all of a sudden he's getting into him and I put my hand up and he said what I said I don't think you really have much right picking on somebody I said when you, you're walking around wearing sandals and purple socks <laughs> so this doesn't really give you too much street cred. Yep. And he said, Who are you? And I went, John Smith. <laughs> so I was. But, and John Smith would have been really upset. He probably failed. Uh, so I just decided, you know, I don't really need this. I will um, just get on with working. And, and and I was more into marketing and I'd just chosen something else. So, mm. sorry, you can keep going. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep going. Uh, Tyson won the Queensland Telestra Business Award and is the author of two books. It's no secret there is money in podiatry and it's no secret there's money in small business. We'll put some links to defer going through your website or through Amazon. 
Um, yeah, send them to Amazon. Yep, perfect. Or, you know, Amazon or website, doesn't really matter. Easy. Well, uh, if you order it through my website, at least if you order it through the website, um, yeah, I can put extra things in there and write okay. silly notes and stuff like that. Whereas Excellent. if it comes through Amazon, it's uh, yeah, a bit different. As it is, yep. Uh, oh. Tyson has two or had two successful long-running podcasts. Uh, it's No Secret with Dr. T, which finished last year with over 200 episodes and is still running Podiatry Legends, which is at 129, I think it was, on Friday. It was 129 on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Yep. Um, not to brag with that, but we had Joseph Frankel and Dan Bernardo on ours before yours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tyson also travels the world, well, when we could travel the world, uh, speaking at conferences, uh, currently running group coaching courses as well as business coaching courses. Yeah, uh, welcome, Tyson, and uh, feel free to let us know anything else we need to plug. I'll feel free just to interrupt whenever I feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just the, uh, oh, what do I want to plug? The 12-week podiatry business reboot, that's always fun. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I just yeah. started doing and doing online marketing workshops again. So I've really enjoyed that. COVID's been great. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. For some people, it's been bad. But I, I think COVID has been just an awesome opportunity for people to learn new skills, yeah, upskill in different areas, especially when it's got to do with business. And because mm. not, yeah, I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching, I – Used to, I was telling everybody, if you finish COVID, yeah, when this is all over and things get back to normal, whatever that is, if you have the same skills you went into COVID, it was a really wasted opportunity. And then I thought, yeah, I should probably eat my own dog food. I need to start learning a few things. So I'd never done any group coaching before. So, because I didn't like it. So I thought, so I went and did a group coaching program with a group. But I'm thinking, I'm going to hate this. And I really, really enjoyed it. And then I realized why people enjoy doing group coaching programs and being part of membership groups and all that. So, yeah, my whole thinking totally changed. That um that podcast episode you had on Podiatry Legends, uh, where they had the graduates of the first one, I think it was, that was, uh, yeah, that was well, a really that good was episode. A, it was a combination of majority from group one, but there were, there were a couple from group two and a couple from group three. So it was a combination. Mm -hmm three of them and i'm doing group group fours running at the moment yep yeah I was, we were hoping to get you on before that came out but that started last or two weeks ago uh no i'm this week will be week eight. Oh, there you go yeah so it moves it, i said that when we first started just this will go so fast you don't realize it will but by the time you get in the 12 weeks you'll go holy crap where did that go and yeah so it's been really fast Excellent. So the next one starts in May the 6th, was it? May the 6th? You have done your homework, yes. <laughs> uh, Thursday the 6th of May. Yeah, perfect. So, so if you want to get into the other that. ones have all been on a Wednesday. So, but because the reason I changed it is, well, I might mix it up a little bit, but on Wednesday nights we do sparring in Muay Thai with an, against another club and I have not been able to go and do it because I, I do the reboots on the Wednesday. So I thought, no, I'm mm -hmm. it up. So change the reboot thing, but then I can go and get punched in the head by complete strangers for a change. Sounds fun. Mm. <laughs> awesome. So I'll hand it over to Hash and he can start us off. All right, we'll get started with the podcast then. Um, pretty much uh, everyone's been asked this as a podiatrist. Um, so Tyson, why did you exactly pick podiatry and how did your journey into podiatry actually begin? Okay, I chose podiatry for the money. 
Uh, <laughs> it was, oh, you want to help people? No, not really. I did it for the money. Uh, so <laughs> I was, That's a very different answer to everyone else. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know everybody else always says, oh, yeah, I had this problem and I want mm. to help people. No, I did it for the money. Um, yeah. But it, I'll, I'll, get, I'll go back a little bit. So <laughs> I was going to be an art teacher. Okay. So I was going to be an art teacher and my brother was doing dentistry. So he, um, towards the end of grade 12, he said, oh, so what are you going to do? I said, oh, I'm an art teacher. He goes, oh, shit. What do you want me to art teacher for? I said, I don't know, because I'm good at it. I like it. So it seems pretty crazy job. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, but he said, yeah, one day you'll have a Volkswagen, I'll have a Porsche. He said, and then, yeah, you will be broke. I won't be. You'll be hitting me up for money all the time. Eventually we'll stop talking because it'll get annoying. So we might as well stop talking now. And I went, oh. so anyway, I went to my art teacher. And I said, hey, what sort of car you got? She went, Volkswagen, why? I went, oh, shit. <laughs> my brother said. And she went, oh, you think of being a teacher? I went, yeah. She went, oh, no. No, no. you're not. Do not be a teacher. I said, what, you don't like teaching? She says, oh, no, I love teaching, but you shouldn't be a teacher. <laughs> you, just, you will last about 12 months and they will boot you out. And I said, why? She says, she don't like rules. Whatever the rules are, she said, you will find a way to go around them, go over the top of them. She said, just you, you always clash with authority. She said, I've watched you all the way through high school doing it. And she says, so if you can do something else, anything else, don't be a teacher. So I went and saw my brother, said, what should I do? So he said, do anything in the medical field. You'll never be unemployed and you'll always make pretty good money. And I went, oh, okay, never thought about that. So then a guy that I went through school for 12 years, Lyndon Homening, he, um, I decided I'm going to go back and repeat grade 12. So I dropped art, manual art, physical education and did uh, chemistry, biology, physics. Had to go and see the principal and said, oh, I want to drop art and do physics. And he goes, so you've never done physics, but you're going to come back, repeat grade 12 and you're going to do straight math science. And I went, exactly. <laughs> and he said, he said, okay. He said, I'd rather not have you back. It's fine. That's what you want to do. So I did, did really well. And then when I was filling my preferences of what to do, we were tossing up all these different professions. And then Lyndon just happened to be at the school and he said, I said, oh, Lyndon, what are you doing? He said, I'm doing podiatry. I went, yeah, what the hell is that? He goes, feet. I said, well, I'll be buggered. There's a course on feet. So he was, he was telling me about, oh, but they make these things called orthotics. He said, and because of your art background, he said, I actually think you'll be really, really good because you can just see things in 3D. So it was the orthotics that really got me into it. And because he said there was a lot of sport, orthotics, my art background had come in really handy, which it did. Then when we had a look at all the different careers, I wanted something where I could work for myself fairly quickly that you know, I didn't have to save hundreds of thousands of dollars to set up a practice. And it made above average income. So the money was important, but... It was probably the art background, orthotics and sports that really got me into it. So when I jokingly say it was because of the money, <laughs> partially true. <laughs> okay. So that's how I got in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Easy. That was a long-winded answer, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I'll give you that. Um, so Tyson, what made you start your first business and how far out of uni were you? I got my registration on the 18th of December 1988. So mm-hmm. the university wrote a letter, so I'd finished everything, went straight to the registration board, had to walk in there back in those days, no email. 
slapped it down on the table. They filled in all the forms. So I was registered 18th of December, 88, and I opened up my first practice 23rd of January, 1989. Oh, wow. wow. Exact yeah. date. Yeah. So it was, yeah, and my first patient was called Alex Clinton. And she was charged to twenty four dollars. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I remember. I've still got my first diary. So, or wow. anyone who's listening to this, if you're just graduating, take a shitload of photos of your first year. Like I look at photos that I was wearing in my first year, and I go, "My God, you look like a frigging clown." What were you thinking? <laughs> um, <laughs> those long striped pants, which were really cool towards the end of the eighties, but. The tuck your shirt into it was just ridiculous. I don't know why I did that. Anyway, um, so the reason I did that, I didn't actually want to work for myself. I graduated and I, I thought, I'm just going to work for someone for a year or so, get a bit of experience. But there were just no jobs that satisfied what I was after. Mm -hmm. And there was one particular job that I went for. I won't mention the name. And when I looked at the job, it was okay. And when I said to her, so how much how much you get paid? And when she told me, I went, it was something like, when you worked it back, something like $12.50 an hour. And at mm. the time, I was working at a chook farm killing chickens, and I was on $14.50 an hour. Mm. And I went, so you want me to take a $2 an hour drop to actually have to think and be insured <laughs> and everything else. But what I ended up doing, I set up my own practice, but the funny part, I don't think many people do this, I kept working at the chook farm. So mm -hmm. I would wake up and work at the chook farm from five in the morning till about nine. And then I'd go from there to the podiatry clinic. Oh, because, okay. Because I didn't have any money. So I needed to have some income coming in while I actually built up the business. So sometimes sometimes people can look at the end result of what people have done. They go, oh, well, they must have come from like a wealthy background or everything just was really easy for them. But someone I think it's really – people need to understand that when – yeah, when I started, Jesus Christ, I remember living off almost bread and water. <laughs> I had no money. So I just kept putting it back in the business. Mm -hmm. So I sort of, it was by default. And the other, I think the other part was I was really gutless. So I grew up like on the Gold Coast sort of area. So when I graduated, I was too scared to actually move away. So when I say there were no jobs going, there were some really cool jobs going interstate, like Canberra, Melbourne, even the UK. But I was just gutless. I was too afraid to actually leave my comfort zone. And now I'm in cans of all places. And we've got a cyclone headed our way at the moment. So um, so you moved from the Gold Coast to what the Gold Coast was like when you were living on the Gold Coast? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of what happened, yeah. yeah. I like warm weather. So even cans, I only came up here for a drive. <laughs> I came up for a drive. That was pretty much it. And there was like there was one podiatrist here when I came here in 1992, mm -hmm. and Alan Crawford, who was the head of the podiatry department at the time at QUT, I remember him saying to me, "If I was going to set up a podiatry business, I would set one up in Cairns." And I went, "Why?" He goes, "Too often he says, all oh, you young guys, you just you just want to stay in the comfort zone of where your family is and your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever it is, depending on where you swing." And and he just said, but you should be going. Go where people don't want to be. He said, that's where the popular, yeah, that's where the money is to be made, like in these regional areas. So that's sort of how I ended up in Cairns. There was a yeah. few 
I stuffed my hands up, so I couldn't work for two years. So when I decided I was going to work again, that's why I moved to Cairns. Nice. And that's what kept me here. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dang cold down in Melbourne, so probably wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is more of a fun question, but have you ever counted how many clinics you ran and what was the most you had at one time? Um, yeah, I know it was over 20. Oh, wow. And the most around at one time was five. Ooh. Wow. And they were stretched from Cairns to the Sunshine Coast. So they were like 1,800 kilometres apart. Oh, so I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, like sometimes you, you can build up your practice and you can get mm-hmm. it going really, really good. And then some people go, oh, I want to set up a satellite practice, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. But what you're really doing sometimes when you set up a satellite practice, you're just having an affair on yourself. And it's sort of like that they set up these satellite practices sometimes and it does mm. make them busier, but sometimes being busier doesn't actually mean you have an increase in income. You sort of you're guaranteed of an increase in hours. Yeah. But not necessarily an in income. So I'm not saying don't do it. And if you want to go and have 10, 20, 50 clinics, that's great. But I always think remember why you're doing what you do. Mm-hmm. And so if I go back a step when I set up my first business, the reason I wanted to work for myself was my dad passed away when I was 17. So, and he left us, yeah, a bit of financial problem. Um, and I always said I would never do that to my family. I will, I will never leave my family in the same financial position my dad did. And it's not that he didn't love us. He just, it was just the era, the time. So when I did have, five clinics and I was running around everywhere and doing all that. My youngest daughter now, when she was six, I think I was in Townsville and I was talking on the phone and she asked and she said to me, Daddy, why are you away all the time? And I went, oh. Yeah. And um, yeah, good question. Why am I away all the time? And I sort of hung up the phone and then I was at, I go to this event in Arizona every year called uh, Business Black Ops. And the first time I went to it, they got, they said, oh, we need a volunteer. So I've just travelled away from Australia. So I'm volunteering, went up there, and they said, why do you do what you do? And I told them, and they said, yeah, but what's the real reason? And I told them, I said, oh, yeah, but what's the real And they dug deeper and deeper and deeper. And it was a psychologist doing this to me <laughs> until it got down to it was all related to my dad dying at 17. Oh, when I was 17. So all of a sudden, I came back from that and my whole thinking had totally changed that I didn't need to have tons of clinics. I just wanted to bring it back to what was the real reason why I was doing everything. And mm-hmm. I think anyone who's listening to this, no matter what opportunities are thrown in front of you or how much money you're being offered, just keep asking, is what you're doing the reason why you're doing it or why you originally got into it? So, yeah. I, don't I think you... I think you finished the – I was listening to one of your podcasts on the way home this afternoon. What was it? Um, your secret tip. Uh, oh, you um, found your secret tips at the end, did you? Yeah. I, I, I like – it only marks it as being played if you listen to the whole episode. All right. So that's how I found them. Um, what was it? Uh, the tip about – was the one, the one about waffling, which I'm doing right now. Um, oh, what was it? Your quote is pretty much exactly what you just said, but surmised into two lines. No, I can't remember. I just, yeah. I just say this stuff at the top of my head when it. Yeah. So it'll it'll be around. Oh no, I know exactly what that was. 
it was about teaching your kids the the value of happiness, not of happiness, not the value of money. Yeah. So they understand what happiness is, they'll end up with the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they if they just if they just focus on the money, they don't they never truly understand what happiness is. Yeah, that was the quote was along that line. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a good one. I have to go back and listen to it myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and another question: uh, What gave you the courage to be different in your business model and have your own CAD and CAM machine? Oh, um, oh, I've just been that way. I've just always been really competitive. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if I played when I was playing rugby league or rugby union, I I didn't play just to make it the numbers. I played to win. Mm-hmm. So it's just always been, I've just always been really, really competitive. And yeah, even if we're playing social basketball, yeah, like I played basketball the same way I played rugby league. It was just, I was out there to win. Someone got hurt. I'll say, shouldn't have been out there. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the way it is. And, but the same thing happens in business. It's just, um, not that I, but I don't, I never break the rules if it makes any sense. So yeah, I've had people say to me, oh, yeah, your clinic did well because you broke all these marking rules. No, I didn't. I stretched them, but I never really – I didn't break them. So I always wanted to um, – I don't know. I think when I, I – I was really lucky. In my second year when I graduated, I bumped into an American podiatrist called Leonard Winston, and he was over here in Australia doing a tour around the country. Uh, the association had invited him over. And I just happened to be on the Gold Coast and I was having a couple of beers somewhere and I bumped into this young guy who's the same age as me, having a couple of beers. And he said, oh, my dad's a podiatrist. I said, well, I'll be stuffed, so am I. So I said, oh, is that the dude that they've got over here at the moment touring around? And he said, yeah. And I went, okay. So I bumped into him and he said, oh, are you coming along to my talks? I went, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, he said, why? I said, Oh, I said, well, sound a little boring. I said, but um, I said, the association, it's sort of like an invitation only. I said, you've got to know someone who killed someone or slept with someone to actually be able to, to get in. And he went, oh, stuff, hey. He said, you're my driver. You can drive me up there because it was in Brisbane. He said, so anyway, it's funny because when we turned up, he walked in. I went to go and walk in about five minutes later because I parked the car and they wouldn't let me in. They wouldn't let me in. Yes. <laughs> Because some of them knew me, and they said, oh, you can't come in. This is invitation A, and this is whatever. And I said, no, nah, I'm walking in. And so I started yelling out, Leonard, Leonard. And he said, what are you doing? Let him in. So, yeah. Anyway, he gave me a magazine called Podiatry Management. And I would have a copy around here somewhere, but I tied it at my office. I've got to stop doing it. And so about 30 years ago, he gave me this magazine. It's called Podiatry Management. And... He said, start reading this. So I started reading through it. And all of a sudden, I realized at the time, podiatry at that time, just equipment technology-wise, was at least 10 to 15 years ahead of what we were in Australia. I mean, miles ahead. So I remember in 1995, I think it was, I went to the United States to go and look at scanners that you had to scan people's feet to make orthotics. So it's gone back a long time ago. And... I remember looking at it all, so I just thought one day I'm going to get all this. I'm going to I'm going to get this in my in my clinic. So, but I didn't do anything for about another ten years because it was sort of a, it looked good, and then I was talking to companies over, it, and then it just got all complicated, and the Australian dollar went really bad. So, 
Yeah, it wasn't till about 2006, I think, 2004, 2006, that I finally got a first scanner. But I didn't bring it in. Somebody else had had brought it in. I thought, you know, I'll let them have all the headaches. I'll just use the stuff. And then through them, I ordered our own CAD CAM machine so we could mill our own orthotics. And I just think it's it's something if, if you've got the money to do it, then you do it. So to set it all up at the time was, say it was eighty thousand dollars to set it up. I thought if I borrowed eighty thousand, like, like if, if I had eighty thousand dollars and it was just sitting there in the bank, how much would I make off of that? So I said, okay, let's take the eighty thousand that we had saved up. And let's just go and buy it. So we bought it, and my lab fees at the time were like about one hundred and ten thousand a year. So we worked out we what we what we paid for the machine. We saved it in lab fees in the first year. So that was why we got it. Was plus, I've always just tried instead of no one remembers who came second. That's what I think. So you think of the last hundred meter men's hundred meters at the Olympics? You mm -hmm. say, oh, won it. Who came second? Who came third? Who else was even in the final? No one remembers. So to me, there's a lot of podiatry businesses that keep watching what their opposition are doing. Mm -hmm. They wait till they do something. They wait till they prove that it works and they go, oh, now I'm going to get one. And then they say, oh, yeah, we have Shockwave as well. Well, why not, why not investigate stuff and be the first one in your, in your market to actually get something? So that's what I've always tried to do is just, mm -hmm. um, just try to lead. And plus, like, I must admit, the opposition in Cairns was, wasn't very good. <laughs> at the time like there wasn't much the, the bar was set pretty low um yeah there's some, there's some good clinics here now uh but in the day the, the bar was i mean really low. <laughs> like, like limbo dancing low that's how low it was so on that note um how far do you think we are off this is completely personal opinion yeah. far off are we of individual clinics having their own 3d printers ready to go scan have you Orthotics ready in two hours. Um, yeah, not too far away at all. I think. Well, I think. That, well, actually, I think more and more clinics will start to do it. But yeah, there's still clinics doing plaster casts. I think. Yeah. And there's and that will never change. There's still clinics that will do a plaster cast and make a root orthotic. Uh, yeah, three to four degrees rear foot post because that's what they were taught in 1988, and nothing has changed. So we go away from all them to die before <laughs> that, that side of things. But I think what'll happen, I think when the cost of the, the 3D <coughs> come down a lot, yeah, I think when they come down, um, I think more and more people will start to get them. So when I hooked up the CAD CAM machine, it to make one pair, it used to take about 12 and a half minutes to mill them out. So we, we did, we offered the same day service and one of our plans before I sold the clinic was we wanted to set up the clinic and, and coffee shop. And pretty much the, re the coffee shop was the reception area. There was no reception. Area. It was the coffee shop was the reception area. So people come in, order a coffee, yeah, come in the reception. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, go and grab yourself a latte while you're waiting. Grab the latte, come in, be scanned. The authorities get made. They sit there, uh, have a second coffee, and then everything's fitted and they walk out. And so, I, I don't think it's too far away. And there'll be people listening to this. I'll go, yeah, I'd love to set that up. And it's not – so whether they go 3D printing or whether they still stick with, like, can cam milling, um, but all the technology is there. It just depends how much time and effort you want to put into learning it. 
going left field from where we've been talking, how did you get into speaking? Oh, geez. You want to hear that story. Okay. <clears throat> so I managed to get through primary school, high school, and university without ever giving an oral presentation because I was terrified, absolutely terrified of public speaking. People listening to this now go, well, he has no problem speaking now, does he? Um, and what it was when I was about 26, I was actually uh, up here in Cairns, I think it was. Oh, no, no, I was on the Gold Coast. And a doctor, I just, a doctor, I bumped in. He said, oh, the guy that's supposed to be running a sports medicine uh, subject pulled out because he's sick. Can you do it? And I went, yeah, no problem. And he walked away and I went, what the, wh why, why would you do that? You've never, you've never done public speaking before because you're terrified. I went, oh, how bad can it be? So I got in there and I managed to turn a 45-minute talk in about four and a half minutes. <laughs> uh, ummed, ah, uh, burped. I, it was just the most horrendous person off me. So I walked outside and I sat down when I finished just going, <gasps> like, just hyperventilating. And he came out and he put his hand on my shoulder and I thought he was going to say, oh, yeah, it wasn't as bad as what you think. He saw the message across. And he said to me, that was the worst talk i've ever seen in my life he said i've never seen anything that bad if anyone ever asks you to speak again just say no <laughs> and he walked off and i went well if that's the worst it can be then it can only get better from there so yeah next somebody else asked me again i went yeah okay and it went from just horrendous to terrible terrible to bad and it sort of just picked up and then i figured out well, it's really interesting when you actually practice and you know what you're talking about, <laughs> it gets easier instead of just, just trying to wing things all the time because I've always been really lazy. So <laughs> when it comes to like putting preparation in and all that, I'd, just, I'd rather just wing it. And I can do that now really easily, but only because I've put hundreds and hundreds of hours into practicing what I do. So now if somebody... Just said, Tyson, go up on stage and talk for 45 minutes. I can do it without a problem. It's like the uh, old one-hit wonder conundrum. There's no such thing as a one-hit wonder. There's hours and hours and hours of practice. Yeah, or an overnight success. There's no such thing they've done. And, but, um, yeah, like some people, it does just everything falls in their lap. You know, they just happen, you, and you watch them, they just happen to get the right job at the right time. And I do think luck, timing, um, yeah, could you – move to Cairns now and set a clinic up as good as what I had, I think you could. But I think it, it'll it take a little bit more work. So it's still possible, but you've just got to put the time and effort in where it was a lot easier for me in the day. So now it, when you're filling in your customs form to go to a different country and whatnot, yeah. for profession, are you a podiatrist, a speaker, a coach, an author, or a podcaster? <laughs> uh, not a podcaster. Um, I do podcasting, but I'm not a podcaster. I a lot of people say, "How much preparation do you put in your podcast?" None. <laughs> <laughs> I know who the guests are. I know what they do, so I don't write any questions down. I just want to see what happens. It's like when you uh, ask me, um, "Do I want to see any questions before?" And I said, "No, nah, let's just play by ear and see what happens." Yeah. So that's how I like. That's how. So some podcasters would just cringe at hearing me say that I don't do a lot of preparation for it because I just want it to be just a normal conversation. But what I write down in my thing is usually podiatrist. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to explain. Yep. Uh, 
I can put author, but then they say, oh, have you written anything I've read? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of authors, have you guys watched um, uh, My Feet Are Killing Me yet? The podiatry show? Well, I forgot. I had uh, uh, Dr. Brad was on the podcast early on. Yep. And uh, Ebony, I'm doing my interview with her Friday. Oh, brilliant. I, I sat down and watched the first episode with, with my wife earlier on t- uh, yesterday, and the first episode has an author on it. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So I can't, I can't watch that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's just. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, Amy was watching it. I'm like, yeah, this is what we do every day. Yeah. She's like, oh, this is so exciting. You go, I've been trying to tell you that. And he goes, oh, but, but these guys do real podiatry. <laughs> 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 That's it. I think it's great. I, I actually think it's, it is so good that podiatry is on a TV show. Yeah. It's huge. But I would probably watch um, the new Netflix series that I'm watching at the moment on uh, smoking meat. Oh, yes. Yeah, the Grill Masters or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. Currently in the market for a smoker. Well, yes, I bought one, <laughs> one beginning of January. Oh, excellent. And uh, I've been, yeah, smoking heaps of stuff. What, what did you get, just to completely digress from podiatry? Oh, I got a, <laughs> a Pro-Q uh, bullet. Uh, oh, right. yeah. So I'll show you a photo if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. I've got it in here with the, with the family photos. Um, cover picture, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's it there. That's it smoking, actually. Can you see that there? Oh, yeah. Oh, Fantastic. Yeah, so it's... Uh, oh, this should be checking the temperature. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I've done, yeah, I've done pulled pork, brisket, uh, beef short ribs. And a lot of my daughter says, yeah, it's all good. All tastes the same in the end, but... Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Mostly, <laughs> but it's just me. <laughs> so back to your original question, I put podiatrist down because it's it's just easier, and because I travel the states, that you put podiatrist down and you get it's like street cred going through customs. All right. So you you mentioned before that um, some people just get everything at hand. Everything just falls in the lap. So with all your successes, I'm sure everything's been peaches and cream, right, oh, hasn't it? Always, yeah. Um, so <laughs> earlier on before, you mentioned earlier on in your career, um, you had a bit of a mischief, uh, had to take a couple of years off work. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? How, if looking back on that, what you would have done differently, knowing that you all of a sudden like that had two years out, how you got through it and those sorts of things? Yeah, it was, it was a dark, dark, it's a sad story. Um, <clears throat> so basically I had my clinic for about two years and I had this insurance guy who was harassing the crap out of me. Oh, you need to get income protection. You need to get protection for your business. I'm going, no, I don't need that. I'm six foot tall and bulletproof. <laughs> six years of age, what the hell? What do I need that sort of rubbish for? And so anyway, he bugged me at that much. I went, oh. So I ended up signing up. Three months later, I was off. And all it started was just this small little rash just on my finger. And I went, oh, that's unusual. So I went to the doctor, said, oh, what's this? And he goes, oh, I'll give an injection. So he stuck a needle down the end of my finger into the joint, like hell. And but 24 hours later, it pretty much cleared up. I went, that's great. But then a couple of days later, all of a sudden, I went back and I said, look, you moved it from this hand over to this hand. How'd you do that? It's like magic. <laughs> he said, oh, I'll give you a cortisone injection. I said, no, you no. I said, that hurts so much. And... So he said, I'll give you a cream. So I put the cream there. Next thing, it went from that finger to the next finger to the next finger until eventually 
my whole hands were just cracked from my fingertips right through to my wrists. And I was putting I was putting cotton gloves on between every patient so they couldn't see the blood. And then the soles of my feet were just destroyed. And then I just it all got infected and all of a sudden had all the you know the red veins running up my arms. And I went to the doctor and he said, You should be dead. <laughs> he said, You were that infected. He said, You can't go back to work. I went, oh shit. So yeah, so that forced me out. And even my hands now, you can I don't know if you can see them, they're still rashed up a bit. Yep. So yeah, so it's like so long ago. And I just live with it now, it doesn't bother me. But but back then it was really, really bad. So I didn't work for about two years. Uh, pretty much forced me to sell the clinic that I had on the Gold Coast. What I learned from it, one, have <laughs> income protection and business expense insurance was fantastic. I'm so glad he talked me into it or harassed me into it more like it. But it was definitely worthwhile. Uh, but what I learned from it as well is I knew when I set up my next clinic, I couldn't rely that my hands were going to be okay. So, like they, like at the moment, I put gloves on; they'd be they'd be perfect to work. And I've had times where there's been no problems whatsoever, but it could go from being no problems to all the skin just being totally ripped off my hands in forty eight hours. It could happen that fast. So I knew if I was going to work, set up my own business, I had to have another podiatrist working with me. So really early on, I, I was forced into setting up systems. I was formed into forced into writing training programs and just so all this like the, a lot of the information that's in my books and things I do at my workshops and all that are things that I came about came about without a necessity because I had a medical condition that I didn't know was going to flare up or not flare up. So I've probably yeah, like I've made good money, but I've probably made a far less than somebody else would have who didn't have to employ someone so early. So I was always pretty much from day dot of setting up a business, employing another podiatrist to help them work with me, and then I was doing not as much as them. So it sucked. (laughs) (laughs) But it worked out in the end. It forced me to put systems in place that people normally don't do. I was just forced into it a lot earlier. Awesome. I know she play the guitar. Uh, it's four string bass. Right hand. That was my um, uh, COVID activities. Oh right, you just taking it up. Yeah, in August. <laughs> this is yeah. Being in Melbourne, we weren't allowed out of the house, so uh, got to got to entertain myself somehow. Get yeah. a pass the song. Uh, yeah, I will yeah. at the end. I'll play. <laughs> I'll play an outro. Did you tell me what about my guitar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I only know one song. Do you know Police Walking on the Sun? Oh, no, yeah, I know the song, yeah. Yeah, that's the other song I can play at the moment. So you go, dum, dum, dum. Yep, okay. Yeah, well, that's it, exactly. <laughs> just repeat it. Yep. I know well, yeah, the other day I decided to, I'm trying to teach myself uh, Fast Cars. With oh, yep. Chapman. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I'm trying, oh, I know the riff now, but it's, um, yeah. So I didn't start playing the guitar till I was 40, I think. Yeah, I got it for my fortieth birthday. So now I've got I've got four guitars here, and I've got one over in Arizona that sits on a ranch waiting for me. Nice. So, <laughs> that's fun. It's relaxing. <laughs> All right, we'll get on to the next question. Um, oh, yeah. Along <laughs> um, alongside your twenty clinics that you've opened up, have you had many business failures? If so, how did you actually pull yourself back up? I've never had one. Oh, really? 
Yeah, I've never had one fail. Um, if you, I always look at it this way: if you do your homework mm-hmm. and you um, like overestimate your expenses and underestimate your income, and look at the numbers and work that way, you're never going to fail. What people do is they open up this business with these rose-coloured glasses on, and they think <laughs> they're going to make twice the amount of money that they're going to make in half the amount of time and have half the expenses. And usually it's twice the amount of the expenses sometimes. You don't make as much or it takes twice as long to make. Even when we had the podiatry going, over a period of time, we'd saved enough money and squirreled it away in different areas that we knew that if for some reason the clinic was shut for six months, I could keep everybody employed. I could pay all my expenses. We just had this nest egg sitting there just in case. And we had a different account that we saved money up if we were going to buy equipment and, and do other things. So I think any businesses that go broke, it's purely poor, it's poor management, poor planning. They they don't have a marketing plan. Like I, I will I will promote my marketing workshops. If I can get ten podiatrists at my marketing workshops, I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And there's thousands and thousands of podiatrists out there who are running shitty businesses. Oh not. I've hundreds of podiatrists out there running shitty businesses. There's thousands of podiatrists. There's heaps of podiatrists running good businesses. But there's so many of them that will say, oh, I wish I knew more about marketing. Well, here, I'm doing a marketing workshop. Oh, no, I don't want to spend 250 bucks. And go, well, don't complain. So what a lot of people, they get this false economy. They don't want to spend any – they want to make money, but they don't want to spend any money. But they don't realise that that whole attitude and mindset, they actually transfer that over to their patients. They don't, they don't realize that that um, scarcity mentality that they're trying to save money is there when they say to the patient, oh, this is how much it costs for an orthotic. The patients go, no. Nah. To me, you, you always get back what you give out. Mm-hmm. So if, you're, if you're too scared to part with some money, uh, whereas, yeah, if you're too scared to part with it, you never get, you're not going to attract it. So to me, it's, it's, it's be generous and... Yeah, it's not be just blowing your money like there's no tomorrow, but I think you just have this mindset of abundance that you've just there is no scarcity. We can mm-hmm. have you can have ten podiatrists open up across the road. You're all gonna do well if you all think you're gonna do well. But if you're all fighting and undercutting each other because you think I've got to be the cheapest, then it's like a race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So and that's the only reason I haven't had like I've had some that have been bloody tough. <laughs> that have been been hard work and have been a lot more work than expected but i've never i've never closed a clinic because it didn't make any money okay 